Depression is a global pandemic, and the WHO actually has predicted it will become the leading cause of disability worldwide by 2030. We have some good options, but we're always looking for additional treatment modalities as well. So some people have come up with the idea that testosterone might be good for depressive symptoms. Also, there's some people who claim that testosterone is basically a magic treatment for everything. But what does the data actually say about testosterone and depression? Well, let's dive in and talk about it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Building Lifelong Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Ranke. Thanks so much for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. Our goal here on the podcast is to help you stay active and healthy for life through practical and actionable information. And today we're talking all about testosterone and mental health, more specifically depression. Like I said, this is not the most common reason you'll hear people talk about testosterone, right? The vast majority of time we're going to see testosterone, and people are talking about strength or body composition or sexual dysfunction or libido or manhood or something like that. But specifically today, we're talking about testosterone and depression. And what does the data really show about it? You'll see some of the stuff they talk about here. Some people will say, hey, it is a magic cure for everything. Like you take this, your mood will be better, all that yada yada. I said, but what does the data actually say? We're going to talk about that here today. And as we start off here, I kind of want to start with like, hey, where did this idea come from, right? Like I said, this is not the most typical way people talk about testosterone. So I want to say, hey, where did this come from? And I'm not talking about anecdotes. You know, some people say they take testosterone and feel amazing and their mood feels so much better. I'm not talking about that. Like I said, I'm not here to discredit those anecdotes and what people experience is very real to them. But I want to say, hey, what are like the mechanisms behind why this might be working? Or like, hey, what was the biology that kind of started this conversation for, hey, maybe there's some link between testosterone and depression. So that's kind of what we're starting here. But if you go back there, there are some rodent models that have shown improvement in dopamine release and the establishment of certain neuronal connections in rats who receive testosterone. And you might be like, well, dopamine, like that you can just watch a commercial, you know, have rats, you know, get a pellet and that'll release it as well. And yeah, it will. But that being said, both of these things, meaning dopamine release and these neural connections, they're kind of regarded as central mechanisms for the action against depression. So people who tend to have depression or rats that tend to have depressive symptoms, they don't have as much dopamine release and don't have these neural connections. So they saw, hey, when these rats were injected with testosterone, we saw an increase in these two things, thinking, hey, maybe, maybe this might be something that we can help treat depression with. So that's like one idea. And then on top of that, it's like, you know, lab stuff. So we always talk about, hey, lab data is fantastic, right? That's where we get our start. That's where we say, hey, we saw this. And what's the next step? Well, the next step is looking at it in human beings. And what they did is they looked at things in cohort studies. So cohorts are kind of just watching people, right? We're not having any big intervention necessarily. We're not randomized controlled trial. Just saying, hey, let's watch people. What happens? And there's some cohorts of middle-aged and older men showing potential associations with low testosterone and depression. So there are some cohort studies out there that show a potential link. However, the big conflicting thing is that there are about as many cohort studies showing the opposite, meaning they do not show a relationship with there. So it's not slam dunk like, hey, oh yeah, this is pretty much one for one as we follow these cohort studies. That no, it's not the case at all. There are some that say, hey, there's an association and some that say there's not. But that being said, that's also where some of that noise comes from. It's like, hey, oh well, in some of these studies, what's what's going on here? And so once again, if we have more data that's kind of conflicting, what, what if we have better ways of testing? And fortunately we do. There are some randomized controlled trials in, in indicating that testosterone may be beneficial for reducing depressive symptoms in some men, but they kind of find it was like in select different subgroups. So it's not just like this broad, anybody middle-aged or older had benefit. It was more like those who were middle-aged, patients who had dysthymia or mild type depressive symptoms, patients who were specifically hypogonadal or HIV positive patients. Like I said, so when we step back here in these RCTs, it wasn't just like, hey, if you start testosterone, you're going to do great. It's going to be fantastic. It was more of like these specific kind of populations there. And so the next thing I want to talk about is, well, why might testosterone and depression be linked, right? There's some people saying that, oh, you know, people who have lower testosterone may have that linked to depression. But the question is, 
what came first, like chicken or the egg or what causes what? Is it low testosterone causing depressive type symptoms or is it depressive type symptoms causing low testosterone or is it no link at all? For this you know, example here, we're going to pretty much assume there is some sort of link, just saying, hey, this is the idea behind it. So one thing could be is depression can affect your appetite, right? Like maybe you don't want to eat. So when you do that, it could lead to decreased energy intake and lower GNRH release and lower testosterone overall. So it's one idea of being like, hey, you're not getting what you need. You're not getting nearly enough calories. And so you're losing weight, you're not doing well, and that could lead to a decrease in testosterone. That's possible. Another idea is that sleep could play a big role in this. As we know, sleep is so critically important. I talk about it all the time. It's part of our necessary nine. We need to have good quality sleep, but sleep issues may actually lead to depression, which then can lead to testosterone impacts. Or it can be the other way around, right? Like if you have depressive symptoms, maybe you don't have sleep, like I said, it's very hard to know what causes what, but if we're not sleeping well, that can increase the risk for depression in depression type symptoms. And on top of that, if we have those poor sleep metrics, that may lead to a lowering of our testosterone, which we talked about before. So once again, sleep may be playing a role. And on top of that, there's a hormone called cortisol. There are some people who are in either depression or depressive states or people with lots of stress, they have higher testosterone and that can reduce GNRH, which as we know, GNRH is needed to then you know get released and then essentially reach release LH and then LH goes and makes testosterone in the testes. So GNRH is kind of that precursor. And if we have decreased GNRH, then we'll have decreased testosterone down the line. So those are a couple ideas as to why testosterone and depression could be linked. Mechanistically, that's kind of my understanding. I think all those are very reasonable. If you think about it, and you stop back, and none, none of those look like absolutely insane. And the coolest thing about this is, like, once again, it just always goes back to the basics, right? So sleep, diet, stress, like all the things I always talk about, it always comes back to that. It's almost like, you know, that actually matter. And so that's kind of something that I was like pointing out. I was like, hey, the big rocks are big rocks for a reason. But like I said, once again, these are a couple of ideas. Okay, and so that's kind of the background to starting of where we came from, what we've seen, and then where we're going here. I wanted to see, hey, was there any recent literature that was pretty solid? And there was one article specifically I want to talk about. This was a meta-analysis done in 2019. This was essentially a review of randomized controlled trials, so they only had RCTs in there. Included about 27 different studies and looked at almost 1,900 men, so a decent sample size there. Essentially what they look for here, these outcomes looked at effectiveness of treatment, meaning total number of patients who achieved 50% or greater improvement in depressive symptoms. So once again, step back there, the outcome is how many patients, the total number of patients who got this 50% greater improvement in depressive symptoms. And so overall, testosterone therapy seemed to improve depressive symptoms, meeting this threshold of clinical improvement for pharmacological therapy. And what this means is they essentially had this group. So there's a group, the National Institute of Health, and kind of they have this healthcare excellence guidelines for treatment-resistant depressive. So they're saying, hey, those who have treatment-resistant depression, what is the clinically significant therapy for pharmacotherapy? So meaning things like SSRIs, SNRIs, all that, you know, what is the clinically significant improvement there? And they're saying the testosterone in these meta-analysis kind of met that threshold. And so you might be thinking, oh, like that's pretty impressive. Holy cow. Like it's just as good as other medications. Like, well, at the end of the day, I don't know if that's necessarily talking about how awesome testosterone is or an indictment on how not fantastic our traditional depressive therapies are. Like I said, it's very variable. And if you look at all the literature, you'll get such a huge variable response from everyone, right? Every person is individualized. I know I sound like a broken record. I say that pretty much every podcast is that every person is going to be individualized. And that's the case here. So your know, response is going to vary so, so much, but Overall, in this meta-analysis, they said, yeah, I met this threshold, but like, it really was not big at all. And so the question is, like, was this really real? And we'll talk about that a little more. But overall, not a very impressive number. But of note, though, I do want to talk about some of the good things. The dropout rate was similar between the testosterone and non-testosterone groups. So overall, it didn't seem like testosterone was a big problem. Once again, we know 
testosterone doesn't have a stigma, meaning like, oh, there's lots of side effects, lots of issues going on. In this study specifically, it didn't seem like it was any different than the non-testosterone groups. And so that's pretty cool. Once again, pointing that, hey, testosterone seems to be pretty darn tolerable, does not seem to be excessively risky. We've talked about the things we want to monitor and look at. I'm not saying just go out there and start shooting up testosterone left and right. But having said, under the right circumstances, the correct physiologic doses seems to be relatively well tolerated. So that's great. And so we talked about the results we saw previously, meaning, hey, we saw that kind of like small potential improvement. And so in the study, they also looked at, hey, maybe there are specific groups that will respond better to that. But overall, the results didn't see a significant association with age, baseline testosterone level, depression status, HIV status, treatment duration, or the route of test administration. So essentially what we're saying is didn't matter your age because previously we talked about, oh, maybe it's, you know, middle age and older, that seems to be better. Didn't seem to be the case. Baseline testosterone level. So that's like a big thing, meaning, hey, if you are truly hypogonadal versus like in the normal range, that didn't seem to matter at all. Depression status, meaning kind of, we talked about previously, maybe it was mild. It didn't seem to affect that at all. And like I said, in treatment duration, all those things, nothing really came out and say, definitively that's what it is. What they did see an improvement though was they seem to have a trend with more improvement with higher doses. So maybe it's possible we just need higher doses and that's why we didn't see the improvement. Some of these studies looked at up to one gram of testosterone a week, which is a ton. You know, if you go back to the endocrine society guidelines, you're talking about 100 to 200 milligrams per week. So milligrams, not grams. And so this is anywhere from five to 10 times more than they recommend. So that's a big dose of testosterone. Like I said, there's probably a chance that a lot of things are gonna improve with that big of a dose. But they did say maybe this kind of going there. Overall though, the authors stated that testosterone seems to be helpful, but overall, that just really wasn't the big vibe I got from the paper. Like I said, at the conclusions, if you just read the conclusions, they talk about how, yep, the testosterone seems to be helpful for depressive symptoms, but you like look at the numbers themselves and you look at uh, what the difference was going on there. And that, overall, I just really wasn't impressed. And like the vibe I got from that was like, meh, overall is what it was. I just like was not impressed. And that's why like it's super important not just to read conclusions, right? Because conclusions, we're all subject to bias. That's absolutely how, how it can work. And we can also interpret data differently. And that's the one thing I'm not saying they maliciously by any means are like, oh, that's huge. They just may have a different lens through which they see that. And that, that's totally fine. And that's justifiable. And once again, we're always going to have different interpretations of literature as well. Like overall, like if I like would have picked the result, they'd have been like, maybe there's this marginal improvement in this, but overall it's like, yeah, they're, they're talking like, yeah, this seems to be very beneficial. And so overall, it just like was not the vibe I was getting. And overall, just super not impressed. But that being said, it was well tolerated. So that's definitely a good thing to know. Once again, just another study showing, hey, testosterone seems to be really well tolerated. So that's a good thing to have. Okay, and so we kind of talked about the body of literature, right? We talked about lab studies with rats. We talked about cohorts, we talked about RCTs, now meta-analysis. You might be like, well, Jordan, there's now multiple studies showing there may be some signal to this noise. Why wouldn't we just immediately start someone on therapy? And there's a couple of reasons why I want to talk about that. First, the long-term safety or effectiveness for testosterone in depression is not known. So like that's just flat out there. There's not been any long-term studies looking at testosterone for depressive symptoms. And so we don't have good data on that. So it's going to be less than ideal. We'll always be extrapolating from something else. Like there's no real evidence base to extrapolate from. So we kind of be going off the grid. Once again, we can do that when we have an informed understanding what's going on, but there just haven't been long-term studies looking at depression and testosterone in terms of safety and anything like that. Because obviously, you know, we think, well, oh, it looks fine. But like, let's just say after a while, it eventually increases suicidal ideation. Like that's a big thing to know. And we just don't have that data. And so that's why I always go to things like a little more cautiously probably than others. That's one thing I consider about. And then at the end of the day, we also have to consider most of these studies had super heterogeneous populations with a bunch of different diagnoses, like, you know, 
Some people said depressive symptoms. Others said dysphoric mood, anhedonia, major depressive disorder, dysthymic mood, all these things. Like it's just panacea of just like anything that's under the umbrella of like depressive ish type symptoms, they're included. And so it's not necessarily, hey, these people with major depressive disorder got testosterone happened. So it's really hard to extrapolate. We just don't know, like, hey, will this work? And that's okay. Okay, and so I've kind of talked about all this stuff and like, where does this fit in? Like in terms of our treatment for depressive symptoms, where does this fit in? Well, first things first, this is not a first-line therapy for depressive symptoms. Just kind of end of story. I'm not saying you can't use this, but I'm saying this is definitely never gonna be someone's first line saying, hey, we have some depressive symptoms, let's just get you on testosterone. Obviously, there's lots of things we should be checking. We should be checking to make sure we're actually low in testosterone. We should make sure that it's, you know, our other things are looking at our prostate, looking at our hematocrit, all those things that we talk about, like we shouldn't just be starting testosterone. That's first things first. But like I said, if you're legitimately worried about clinical depression, I, this, getting testosterone is not your best bet in terms of just going there and do that. So I just want to foot stomp that, that, hey, if you are worried or you're dealing with clinical depression, please be evaluated by a professional and go from there. The reason I say that is because, you know, before you're like, oh, Jordan, you were just talking about SSRIs and how they're not that effective. And once again, everybody's going to be different. You see some in the data, some people respond fantastically well to some things and others. And really, a lot of times it's trial and error. You know, one day when we have personalized medicine, it'll be amazing. But right now we kind of try things that, hey, did this work? Nope. Let's try the next one. And a lot of times we find the right combination after a couple of attempts and that can be beneficial. And on top of that, also getting plugged in with therapy in terms of talking with a counselor or a therapist, like that can be very helpful. And then when you add those together, pharmacotherapy with some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy or talk therapy, those when we get the best results. And so I don't want to someone have someone just goes, Hey, I'm just going to take testosterone. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. I don't want that because there's so many other avenues and treatments that we have and modalities that we can try that could be more beneficial and are already vetted and evidence-based. And so that's like, I do not want someone jumping saying like, Oh, well, there we go. Testosterone, baby, let's go. That's not the first line for this. That being said, I could see the argument for this being an augment for your mood or depression in patients who already have low testosterone. Like I said, it seems pretty well tolerated and we know it can help with other th symptoms and physical symptoms. So like I get the logic, meaning, hey, if there's a chance and I already have low testosterone, like let's just see what happens. And I honestly, I get that. And I think that's fair. You could try that. But once again, this is not the, oh yeah, my, my mood's down a little bit too. So I think I need testosterone. This is like I said, a part of the treatment plan. This is not the treatment plan. So personally for me, what am I going to do? I'm probably not going to start this on someone with a testosterone level in the normal range. So if you have normal testosterone, that's not what I'm doing. I kind of want to look at the whole picture and think of that. But that being said, I may consider when someone's lower. I still typically will follow the endocrine society guidelines, meaning if we're low and we have clinical hypogonadism, so we have other symptoms, and then we have some depressive moods as well, and hey, that is reasonable. We can do that. So if someone has that clinical hypogonadism, right, we talked about with a defined number of um, the testosterone, free testosterone, total testosterone being low, and then we have some minor mood disturbances, then I'd be curious to see the responses. I think it'd be kind of a cool experiment to see, hey, what's going on? But once again, I'm not going to give it just for that reason, but it may be somewhat helpful. And uh, once again, for me, I'd lean towards the end of like, hey, we got kind of more mild symptoms. This is not someone who has just severe depression. I don't think testosterone is going to, you know, touch that really. And so I just want to once again, stop that. This is not going to be the cure all everything, but like I said, it is reasonable to start, I think, in someone who has clinical hypogonadism with mood symptoms. It's something to consider as well. I wouldn't start this just there, but I'd say, hey, let's see what's going on. See if the mood symptoms improve. And once again, you're talking with your doctor, right? If you have really bad or things are getting worse or you're really depressed, I wouldn't like hold off and say, well, let's just give it testosterone. You know, let's just give it a couple more months to see. Like, no, you can start a different medication. You can do them concurrently. But like I said, someone with hypogonadism and depressive symptoms who's already on something for their depressive symptoms, I think that's like the, the sweet spot right there. Meaning, hey, we've kind of started to address the depressed symptoms with the first line therapies. We're either, you know, in therapy or we're in different medication. And then you happen to have hypogonadism as well. 
well and it can be kind of a match made in heaven where we can try those things but we're already barking up that tree and getting our depressive symptoms worked up that's the way it is like i said there's nothing more to me than augment is i feel that anything else isn't supported by the data at this time meaning like i don't think anyone's gonna be like yeah yeah it's my first line it's what i do and so you know i'm kind of hedging my bets here but let's play a little devil's advocate right so sometimes that can be helpful testosterone is well tolerated it seems to be pretty safe and may help with mood improvement so like what's the bad part and that's a very fair point right it seems like the risk reward ratio there like it tips more towards the rewards that being said though we know there are risks right and monitoring is required so it's not a completely benign medication but like i said i can honestly say that i get why someone would want to try this once again however please don't ever do this without a physician monitoring this like i said if you i do not do not do not ever recommend getting anything black market or taking testosterone without a physician's oversight but I mean, said, I do want to see that monitoring. And if you want to know what that monitoring is, go back. And so just stepping back, the last thing I say about this is, is there some signal in this noise? Possibly it could be there, but like I said, overall, I want you to think about this as like maybe icing on the cake, maybe some augment to something. If we're already clinically low in testosterone and we're increasing that, maybe it will help with our mood. That's like kind of how I view it. I would not view it as, Hey, you have depressive type symptoms. Let's get you started on testosterone. Like that's not the jump I'm trying to make. Like I said, that being said, it seems to be well tolerated. And I think it's a reasonable, um, kind of explanation and mechanism for like why we think it may be improving things. And overall, like I said, seems to be a relatively safe. Thing. I don't think it's unsafe, but it comes with its own little headaches as well. So we have to consider that. But overall, what do you think? Do you think this is something you've seen has, you know, have you tried this before? Have you been on this before and noticed a mood improvement? Like, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts and explanation on this, but that's what we got for today. Thank you so much for following along. I really appreciate it. Um, if you could, if you want to join my mailing list, I would really appreciate that. It's the best way that I can make sure that you're getting the information that I put out each week, whether that's a video or an article or a podcast, anything. I'll let you know when I'm putting out new stuff each week, just so you can make sure you don't miss anything. But thanks so much for stopping by. Now get off your phone, get outside and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment, education, and informational purposes only. The topics discussed should not solely be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any condition. The information presented here was created with an evidence-based approach, but please keep in mind that science is always changing, and at the time of listening to this, there may be some new data that makes this information incomplete or inaccurate. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or qualified healthcare provider for questions regarding any medical condition.